Peace be upon you. So both in Arabic and in English, the word for corruption has two meanings. One meaning is that of kind of a fraudulent transaction, be it bribery or some sort of you know nefarious uh, fraudulent act uh, revolving around money. The other meaning is that of rot or decay, as in a fruit has become corrupt uh, or it's become rotten. And you'll see this word in Arabic uh, used as fasad. And the question is, what is the connection between these two meanings? Why does the meaning mean both things? And I think it, it becomes apparent when we look at this expression that says a rotten apple spoils the barrel. And what this is insinuating is that if you allow one rotten apple into a uh, storage, a barrel of apples, eventually that rot is going to affect every single apple in that uh, container. And the reason is, is because when an apple ripens, it produces ethanol. Ethanol is a ripening agent, and it has the impact of causing, expediting the process of fruit ripening. So if you have one apple that's become uh, overtly ripe, it's going to produce more ethanol. It's going to trigger the other apples to ripen faster. And this creates a positive feedback loop to the point that one apple is going to become overtly ripe and it's going to rot. And eventually this is going to have a cascading effect on every other apple in that barrel. And corruption works in the same manner. That once you have one corrupt individual, uh, it's going to spread throughout the entire organization. And this could work within, again, an organization, an institution, a nation, uh, any system that tolerates corruption, that doesn't nip it in the bud when it uh, is first detected, eventually it's going to impact the entire organization. And um, this root facade is used 50 times in the Quran. The first time it's used is in Surah 2 verse 11. It says, when they are told, do not commit evil, they say, but we are righteous. And the Arabic is tofsidu. And what's interesting is that this is always in the context of spreading corruption, that you'll see this word used in the context of spreading corruption, because corruption is not something that's static. You know, most sins, when you commit, uh, you're only harming yourself. But something like corruption, it has a, a cascading effect on the overall institution or the community or the nation that allows a little bit of corruption. And this is the reason I believe that this is such a gross offense is because if you think about God tells us in the Quran in Surah 4 verse 85, it says, whoever mediates a good deed receives a share of the credit thereof. And whoever mediates an evil work incurs a share thereof. God controls all things. So God is informing us that if our sin has a cascading effect where it uh, mediates more sin, then we're going to be responsible for that entire aggregate of sin that we've caused, that entire aggregate of corruption we've caused. So an individual who's spreading corruption because this has an effect on the overall society is going to be a lot more responsible than someone who commits a sin that only impacts themselves. And this is a big difference because these sins are uh, systematic. That when they uh, are uh, tolerated, when a person performs corruption, spreads corruption, it's impacting everyone in that society, in that institution, in that nation. And this is why corruption is so destructive. In the following verse, we read, it says, disasters, and again, the Arabic is uh, al-fasadu, which means the corruption have spread throughout the land and sea because of what the people have committed. We thus let them taste the consequences of some of their works that they may return to the righteous works. And what's interesting is that God is linking 
this aspect of corruption that's spreading throughout the land and sea because of what the people have committed. Now the question is, why would I be responsible for the corruption of someone else? This is one of the things that occurs in a free society. There is an expression that says, in a democracy, the individuals of that uh, society get the government they deserve, not the government they want. Why is that? It's because in a democracy, people are free to choose which politicians they want to represent them in the government. So which laws get passed, uh, who has power, what legislation is uh, uh, out there is all dependent on the individuals who elected these officials in their position. So if they're doing something that's corrupt, it's a direct reflection of the people of that society. So in a democracy, we have no right to complain about others because it's a reflection of us as a society. Whatever the society values, whatever the society's predominant belief structure, morality structure is, is going to be reflective in their government in this uh, democracy. But it's not limited to a democracy. In any free society, people get the society they deserve, not the society they want. We looked at just now the example of a democracy, but let's extrapolate that to, say, a free market. In a free market, Individuals can vote with their dollars what products or services they want to support and which ones they don't want to. So if you have a choice between uh, supporting a product or a service that reflects your moral values, then it's your choice which one you choose to buy or which one you choose to uh, patron. If you choose to side with the ones that are destructive, then again, this is reflective on that free society. But right now, we live past, it's actually, it's not just a government, it's not just a, a free market. The marketplace that has the most value is actually that of the attention economy. The question is, where do you want to focus your attention? Because at the end of the day, whatever we as a free society focus our attention towards, all we're doing is we're amplifying that aspect of society. So if we spend our attention focusing on vanity or violence or things that are destructive to that society, then if the society starts crumbling, this is reflective upon us as free members of that society. So when we look at the verse that it says disasters, right, again, corruption have spread throughout the land and sea because of what the people have committed, we thus let them taste the consequences of some of their works that they may return to the right works, that we are all responsible. What we get, the media we get, the government we get, the products and services we get are a direct reflection of what we value in a free society. So we have no one to blame except ourselves. But the question is, how do we tell that in a society that it's turned corrupt and how do we take corrective action? Today, there are many indexes that are used to judge the overall corruption of a society. But probably the most well-known is called the Corruption Perception Index, which is conducted by Transparency International. From their website, we see a summary. It says, uh, the Corruption uh, Perception Index, the CPI scores and ranks countries' territories based on how corrupt a country's public sector is perceived to be by experts and business executives. It is a complex index, a combination of 13 surveys and assumptions of corruption collected by a variety of reputable institutions. The CPI is the most widely used indicator of corruption worldwide. Now, is it really necessary to go through this extraneous method in order to be able to detect corruption in a society? Now, there's a much simpler method to gauge the corruption of a society without the need of extensive surveys, interviews, and evaluating mass amounts of information. 
Now to show as an example of how to detect a complex phenomenon in a very simple manner, I wanna pull from an example from uh, Van Halen. So Van Halen was one of the largest rock bands of their time. And when they would put on a show, they would have an agreement with their uh, promoter to an extensive list of demands that spanned hundreds of pages. Uh, these demands specified all the requirements that they needed in order to be able to perform a successful show. One of these demands that was wedged in the middle of this long contract was that backstage there would be a bowl of M&Ms with all the brown M&Ms removed from the bowl. And for years, people didn't understand why they had such a strange request. People just assumed that the reason the band had this clause in there was because they're just prima donnas, they're rock stars, they're asking for frivolous things. But nevertheless, the band was incredibly furious anytime they found brown M&Ms in their bowl. So it wasn't until years later that they disclosed the reason for this request. The logic to include such a clause in their contract was a quick, simple way to gauge how carefully the crew setting up the venue were in regards to following their guidelines. It would have been unreasonable and if not impossible for them to be able to check every aspect of all the necessary setup for each show. So instead, by being able to see if the crew met the brown M&M request, it was indicative that they followed the specs accordingly. If on the other hand, they get to the catering table backstage and notice that there were brown M&Ms in the bowl or no M&Ms at all, then they knew that the individuals, the promoters of the show did not read the guidelines and are probably not following it. And this could have been a huge risk to the uh, band members, the, uh, the, the audience, and to the overall performance of the show. So if they went backstage and they saw that, again, there's brown M&Ms, they would freak out and they'd go and check every single speck within the guidelines to make sure that everything was followed. Because if all of a sudden they have the wrong voltage or something isn't set up properly, it's, it becomes a major hazard. And these are individuals, they're spending you know thousands of dollars potentially to come and watch them perform. They wanna be able to put on a good show. So is there a similar kind of metric we can use to immediately be able to detect the corruption in a society. And it just happens that God provides us such a mechanism. And the simple metric by which we can use to determine the corruption in a society, in an institution, is the level of chaos that is prevalent in that society. In Surah 8 verse 73 it says, those who disbelieve are allies of one another. Unless you keep these commandments, there will be chaos on earth and terrible corruption. This is an indication of how much corruption is in a society. That if a society is not upholding moral integrity and upholding God's laws of treating each other nicely, equitably, then we are going to see chaos in that society. In Surah 2 verse 204 through 205, it says, Among the people one may impress you with his utterances concerning this life and may even call upon God to witness his innermost thoughts while he is the most ardent opponent. As soon as he leaves, he roams the earth corruptingly, destroying properties and lives. God does not love corruption. So if we want to gauge the level of corruption in a society, just take a look at the level of overall chaos that is occurring in that society. Sadly, when we look at American society, we see so much chaos these days between COVID, uh, riots, civil unrest, looting, hurricanes, fires. 
you know, this should probably serve us as a sign that it's time to start cleaning up corruption in our societies and start applying God's laws. In Surah 9, verse 126, it says, Do they not see that they suffer from exacting trials every year once or twice, yet they consistently fail to repent and fail to take heed? God allows us in a society to suffer these trials, these uh, tests, in order to get us back on the right path. We see that this is similar to what's written in the uh, previous verse in 3041. It says, disasters. So again, corruption have spread throughout the land and sea because of what the people have committed. We thus let them taste the consequences of some of their works that they may return to the right works. 9126 is telling us the same thing. For exacting trials, it uses the Arabic word, yoftanuna, which means it's the same root as fitna which means a test or a trial for the people. That what happens is when we allow corruption into a society, God is going to test us, is going to basically impose hardship and adversity upon us to get us back on the right path. Now, this is indicative of a society that has gone astray, and God allows this to happen in order to bring us back to morality. This root fitna is also used in the previous verse we read in 873. It says, those who disbelieve are allies of one another. Unless you keep these commandments, there will be chaos on earth. And it uses that same root as fitna and uh, terrible corruption. So this is the consequence of going astray for tolerating corruption into a society is that we are going to be tested with hardship, with adversity in order to bring us back. God informs us in 32.21, it says, We let them taste the retribution of this world before they incur the greater retribution of the hereafter, that they may take a hint and reform. This is our opportunity to reform. When we see the level of chaos in a society, it's indicative to us that there's mass corruption brewing, that these corrupt forces are causing a cascading effect in these institutions that they've plagued. And in order for us to get back on the right track, we need to correct this as soon as possible. Because if we allow corruption to spread, it's going to decay society from the inside out. And again, this happens on threefold. One is the governmental aspect. The individuals that we vote into office, that if we're voting individuals who are passing legislation that contradict the verses of the Quran, that we are the ones responsible, that if we're spending our money towards unproductive tasks that are only serving the detriment of society, that's on our necks. And that ultimately, if we give our attention towards what is only vain and harmful and violent, then it's showing that this is what we value. And we're only going to get more of that in a free society. So it's up to us to make the right choices, to never tolerate corruption, never allow the spreading of corruption in our society, that we have to vote with our physical votes. We vote with our dollars and we vote with our attention towards what is good and righteous. God tells us repeatedly in the Quran that the believers are those who advocate righteousness and they forbid evil. And we have to stand up with God if we want to be saved. Otherwise, we're going to be swept along with all the other chaos that's taking place. God willing, we're going to end there. If you guys got comments or questions, please hit us up at QuranTalk at gmail.com. Or if you want to follow along the verses of the Quran, 
and see a word-by-word translation of the Arabic, please download the Quran Study app on the iOS App Store or go to QuranStudyApp.com. And if you like this podcast, please share it with other people, leave us a review, and until next time, peace and God bless.